0: Hi everyone, I'm Taylor from TaylorPengman.com. Motherhood is hard, and it's even harder when we try and do it alone. This podcast is about building community through our personal stories and shared experiences. I hope that through these episodes you find peace of mind, inspiration, and learn something new. This week's guest is Catherine Topham Sly. She is a counselor specializing in relationships, specifically relationships after kids. And through her practice, she offers counseling, coaching, and online courses. And if you're just learning about her, do yourself a favor and go check out her Instagram page at Insight and Connection, because honestly, it's it's so packed with tons of helpful resources. Um, so just flipping through her posts, you'll learn a lot. Thank you to those who sent in your questions ahead of time. I'm going to try and remember to do that for future episodes because you guys asked some really helpful questions that I had myself. So yeah, we're definitely going to do that again. In this episode, we talk about how to resolve arguments faster so you're not spending all your connection time arguing. Catherine shares some great tips for couples navigating big topics that they're not fully aligned on, like politics or Maybe how to raise your kids or where you want to live, you know, like the big ones. And also, if you're wondering when or why couples should go to therapy um, or tips for how to get your partner on board with seeing a therapist, uh, or maybe how to navigate conversations around getting more support from your partner, Catherine has some really helpful insights on that too. This episode is probably one of my favorites I've done so far. Uh, Truly, I can't wait. So let's dive into this month's episode.
1: And so what is your family dynamic? How many kiddos do you have? So I'm married and I've got two girls who are nine and 11. Ah, Yeah, we're kind of moving into that next phase of life now.
0: Wow. My eldest
1: eldest is going to secondary school in September. Oh my gosh. That feels so
0: far for me. My daughter's 18 months, but I know it's going to just like come up so quickly it's just gonna like Mm -hmm.
1: hit face and she's gonna be 10 (laughs) (laughs) yeah it definitely feels like that some days it's that that thing that they say about you know the the days are long but the years are short it's just so true
0: yeah I had this theory when someone told me that once I had this theory that like as you get older a year becomes a smaller percentage of the life that you've lived so far so it Mm -hmm. feels like a shorter period of time as you go um I feel yeah, like I'm Yeah, it kind of makes that.
1: sense of why it seems to go so much quicker all the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to dive into some of these really um, great questions that our community sent through actually last a couple nights ago. I'm like, oh. you know what, I've got questions, but what else do they want to know. And, um, I had some really great ones come through. So, so I had read the statistic lately, uh, recently that said 67% of couples break up in the first year of having a baby. And I was curious in the work that you do, do you see that? Like, does that sound like an accurate percentage? I'm actually curious if like COVID actually is having a, um, a stronger factor in that as well. Um, I then also wanted to talk through, you know, for those couples that are having, uh, difficulties in that first year, which uh, I can raise my hand. That was definitely us. We're at the 18-month mm-hmm. mark now. But, you know, some of those things don't go away. Um, what are some ways that that partners can stay connected so they don't drift apart during those challenging times?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is extra tough at the moment. Um, I'm not sure about that statistic. I know that it's usually in normal times, it's around 20% that split in the first year. Um, And about two thirds of couples report a drop in relationship satisfaction in about the first three years. Um, So I don't know whether that's, um, you know, things have been particularly really, really difficult for couples over the last year. So I don't know whether that's a kind of a a bit of a spike in the the stats that's been picked up there. Um, But yeah, I mean, one of the first things to do is to just really recognise that it is a really, really hard time. It, It is completely normal to struggle. both going through an enormous shift in your identities everything that you used to be able to quite easily balance out quite fairly has suddenly become so much more complicated usually for straight couples at least one person's life changes much more than the other and that can be really difficult we quite often find ourselves kind of turning into our parents (laughs) in one way or another you know (laughs) we're thinking hang on what's going on here I thought we were going to do it differently." doesn't always go that way so just acknowledging it first of all can be one of the most important things because when we don't talk about these things we have a bit of a tendency to blame ourselves and to think you know we must be doing something wrong it must be us. you know they there's lots of couples that split early on because they think that they're failing they think the fact that they're finding the transition really tough means that they're not meant to be together but actually knowing that it's really normal to find it difficult and then finding a way to talk to each other about it and to kind of externalize it, you know, talk about it as this thing that happens to couples and is happening to us rather than something that's kind of really between us and about us. And then just remembering about the the little things, the little moments being the really, really important things. You know, when things are difficult, we quite often will think like, oh, we need we need a weekend away together. We need a holiday or even like we need a date night. And all of those things. I mean, the one reason that these times that we're in at the moment is actually taking lots of us back to early parenthood days, is because those things just aren't really possible in the way that they normally would be. So. Remember that actually those aren't the things that make the biggest difference to a relationship. They're wonderful, but what really matters is the way that we are with each other every day in the little day-to-day moments. So, you know, carrying on talking to each other respectfully, even when you're getting tired and grumpy, not using it as an excuse to let yourself talk to your partner in disrespectful ways, being really responsive to each other and having a decent chat each day. And when I say decent chat, you know, I'm really only talking about, it only takes a few minutes But it's time when you're actually looking at each other and not just looking at screens and actually talking to each other. Like, how are you doing? How are you getting on with all of this? How has your day been? You know, those things, we can let them slip when we're exhausted, of course, because it's hard, isn't it? The baby finally goes to bed. You just want to collapse on the sofa. And so you just turn to your phone. But if you can just make five minutes for each other, that can make a massive difference. And then just one other point that's really important is about carrying on touching each other. Because when we have babies, we learn all this amazing stuff about the power of touch and bonding and oxytocin. You know, we don't grow out of that. We we still need that for life in order to feel bonded with people to touch them. And, you know, for lots of couples, sex goes way down the list of priorities when they first become parents, which is completely normal. But then sometimes we stop touching each other at all. And that can really leave us feeling quite disconnected. So even if it's just that like hug or touch on the arm or whatever, to just kind of stay connected and really feeling like a couple, it can really help you to to get through those tougher moments when you have that kind of reserve of good feeling in the relationship that gets built up by those things.
0: Hi there. Thanks for listening in. Do you ever feel like life is just flying by? Do you lay your head down at night and think, what the hell happened today? <laughs> what did I even do? what day is it even? I feel you, mama. And especially those moms with young kiddos, the struggle to stay present and sometimes even joyful in our busy days can be hard. If you raised your hand when I said that, know that you're not alone and no, you're not doing anything wrong either, but it might help to take some time and really get clear on what's most important to you. So you can spend more time and energy doing the things that bring your life purpose and fulfillment And waste less time and energy on the things that don't. Every month I lead a Mindful Mamas Intentional Life Workshop for that exact reason. To support those moms who want some help getting clear on what's important to them. This is a great workshop for anyone who is looking to bring more mindfulness and presence into their lives and to be more intentional in their days and the time that they spend with their partners and kids. By the end of this workshop, you will have a personalized action plan that includes your top five priorities and action steps you can take to stay consistent and aligned to the things that are most important to you. To learn more about this workshop and to sign up for the next offering, you can visit my website at taylorpayman.com and just click on the workshops tab at the top. I'll also link this in the show notes down below. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to this month's episode. I love how simple you've put that too, you know, and and a lot of those things. It for me, as I hear that, it, it's like coming back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Something that I've really, um, as I've reflected, as I was preparing for a conversation, actually, I was reflecting back on the t- like the last year and a half with my daughter and thinking through, okay, what what have been some of the challenges that we've had, and also some of. Um, the wins that we've had to, and and things that we've had to like work through and and can see from the other side now. And a couple of things that you said, I wanted to touch back on um, the the whole, like becoming our parents thing is so interesting. (laughs) And um, you know, I guess a a curious point I have about that is, uh, or something I've reflected back on. So I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, you know, as I think about in the ways that I, uh, regress back into my my parents behavior or things they say that I'm like oh my gosh that was totally my mother that was totally my father Um, you know I think about for me it's just like I become aware of the tools that I have either tools that I've acquired you know as I've grown up um, or tools that were given to me just from my upbringing you know my family that I wasn't even aware of until they come out (laughs) as I'm a parent now and I'm like where did that even come from? You know, then that's like, or like, that's not an effective tool in this situation. And it just becomes aware. I become aware of the fact that these are the tools that I have. These are the areas of tools that I don't have and that I need to find, or I need to like, I need to pick up some new tools.
1: Um, Mm
0: -hmm. And Yeah, yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: I mean, that's just really great the way that you're thinking about it there of like, you know, what do I need in order to deal with this better? Because there's there's sort of two parts to that thing about becoming or thinking like, oh, I've turned into my parent, isn't there? There's, there's the thing of the dynamic between you and the roles that you fall into, you know, things kind of feeling like they've gone back a few decades in terms of who's doing what and that kind of balance and the sense of fairness between you. It's really common for that to happen. And then there's the other part about how Um, when we're under stress, we do tend to kind of regress, we revert to our earlier coping mechanisms. So there can be the two sides to it, can't there? The bit where you sort of hear your mother's voice come out of your mouth can be one of those things or the other, can't it? Yeah, it definitely can. And um, mm, the other thing that you had said,
0: what was it about? Well, you talked about um, like true connection with each other, even a quick conversation. Um, I think about Uh, we've, we've carved in like little, we call it a weekly check-in. So it's every Friday night is our weekly check-in. And we try to do it, you know, more during the week as well, but at least like Friday night is our check-in so that there's no like, you know, next day of work we're worrying about. It's, you know, we have the weekend and we have that time, but um, also like you say, I think what's really important um, to double down and just something I found from my own experience. So kind of like attest to it through my own experience that the no technology thing is so important. It's so important. Mm. And we've we've actually carved out time. It's around dinner time, but it starts at like 4 p.m. our time where we call it like no phones family time. And even if we're like cleaning up or we're just playing with each other, just sitting on the couch or making dinner, there's no there's no TV on, there's no phone, you know, we put them away. Our daughter's like she's a toddler right now. So she just wants to play with it anyways. She's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, screen addicted that she just sees us on our, th- on our devices. Um, and that's completely changed our, qu- the quality of our interactions where our mind isn't somewhere else. Um, even if we're kind of thinking about maybe a message we had just sent, it's just not in front of us. And after a mm-hmm. few minutes, it can really like, I don't know, you can kind of forget about it. And yeah. so that's something I wanted to uh, I'm a huge proponent for that. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. think it's so necessary. You know, if we go to the park, we leave our phones at home. If we go to for a walk at night, we leave our our phones at home. And we actually did that before we had our daughter and it totally amplified our connection as a couple too, Um, because we both have really busy lives. And I think a lot of people do too, especially right now in in these times, but um, yeah, ways to find like true
1: connection like that. So I was Mm -hmm. happy that you called that out. Yeah, I mean, it's really about making that commitment to be really present, isn't it? You know, both those things that you just talked about, having that weekly check in and having that no phone time, they are about the commitment that you make. You know, we quite often think that we've done the bit of being committed to relationships when we got married or decided to have a baby together or bought a house together or, or rented a house together, you know, whatever whatever we do that we think, oh, this is the moment, this is it now, we're in it, we're together, but actually commitment is something that keeps happening on an ongoing basis. It's that commitment to how you show up in a relationship. Are we committed to keep talking about things even if they're difficult, keeping being honest with each other, to, to being present with each other? They're, they're all things that we need to keep ourselves to that standard. Yeah, it's something you just
0: said actually, triggered another memory for me um every year on our anniversary well because you talk about like recommitting recommitting and every year on our anniversary we always ask we always ask each other the question so do you want to do another year (laughs) you know so it's like a conscious choice in that moment of like let's think about how the last how did the last year go you know and 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 we never really have the intention of saying no, but it's, a, it's a checkpoint of like, Hey, you know, have your, have your needs been met? Have my needs been met? Like how have we been doing and, and like, do we want to do it again? Like, let's do it. And um, yeah, it is, it is definitely, uh, definitely uh, a recommitment constantly being in a relationship and, and always you know, making that choice. And it might not even be something as dramatic or, or funny as that. It might just be You know that day you're in an argument and it's just a really stressful time and baby's losing it and like the recommitment might just be like being in that place with each other and supporting each other as best you can
1: yeah making that choice over and over
0: for sure yeah and uh all right so i want to move on to the next question um having let's see having young kids means less private time for conversations or when you have them they're at the end of the day when everyone's tired Do you have tips for how to resolve arguments faster so you're not spending all your connection time arguing
1: yeah this is really tough isn't it um it's really hard when you've got little ones and i mean you're both tired a lot for quite a long time um but I think that still one of the kind of things that we need to do, we can look at it from both sides, can't we? From how to avoid getting into arguments as much as possible in the first place, you know? And by that, I don't mean avoiding talking about our differences, but avoiding talking about them in a way where nobody's getting heard and nothing helpful is happening. Um, and then also from the other side, how we resolve them. Um, so really we want to avoid having these kinds of conversations when we're angry, you know, if either of you is angry, hungry, I know you can't avoid talking when you're tired, but if you're really exhausted, you know, if anyone's been drinking, if anyone's in a really bad mood or feeling really insecure or the kids are around, you know, to have some kind of basic ground rules that when you're in any of those situations, you're going to just going to take a break and come back to it another time. And talking about that in advance when you're both calm can be really helpful. And then when it comes to resolving these things, you know, properly resolving arguments is nearly always about opening up about the deeper meaning. And it can be hard to know what that is, what you know, what is really going on here. So it's a couple of things that you can do. One of them is to just take that bit of time to think about it on your own. Separate. So sometimes it can be helpful to journal about it, to talk to a therapist about it, to just to have a chat with one of your friends about it. To just kind of ask yourself, what is what is this really about? Why is this bothering me so much? What what might the deeper meaning be? Um, And another way to just do it, just in conversation with your partner, is to just think about what are you imagining and what are you worried about or afraid of. And when we speak to each other from that place that usually takes us to the deeper thing of what's going on. So we're, you know, we'll get into an argument about like, well, to take that example, you know, are we going to have phones at the dinner table in our house? You know, you might disagree about it. One of you might want to be really strict about it. The other one might just want to be a bit like, well, you know, lunchtime on the weekends, we have three meals together at the weekend. So, you know, let's just let let's let breakfast be lax or lunch be lax, or whatever. Those are the kinds of things that we can get into really intense conflict about because it's about the deeper meaning of what family life looks like for us. What do we value? What's important to us? Are you present here with me? Are you trying to control me? You know, it's it's thinking about things on that kind of level.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Both of those hit home for me too. I think um, the first piece of of, um, the word patience came to mind of like, Ooh, that is hard for me. You know, it's like, (laughs) if I'm being totally honest here, um, I'm the kind of person that's like, this thing bothers me. And I want to, I want to talk about it right now. And I want to clear it up. And I, because I just want to get onto the fun stuff. I want to like have fun times, have fun times with you. I want to watch this movie with you. And, um, Or I find myself in the middle of a conversation, we might be like bringing up a topic and, and I feel like we're making good progress and then something happens and it turns bad and it's like, this is not going to end well, this conversation is going the wrong way. And it's so hard to pump the brakes in that moment. Mm -hmm. I'm that kind Mm -hmm. of person that's like, no, let's push through and, um, I, it never ends up well when I do that <laughs> so yeah. it's really hard to do so isn't it? Hard. It's, yeah I have an <laughs> emotion a, and oh.
1: yeah you too I mean I've, I have a download on my website um which has got a list of I think 72 different things that you can say in those moments to like say pump the brakes because it's so so hard to know what to do in those moments and it's hard to make yourself do it and um Yeah, I put this up on my website because I was giving it out to so many clients and recommending to them that they just stick it on the fridge at home so that you can kind of keep pushing yourself to actually stop like that, take those breaks, come back to it. That is, that is super helpful.
0: That's awesome. I'm for sure going to put that on our fridge <laughs> for <laughs> both of us. Um, and I'll share that with my community too, because I think that's super helpful. You have a lot of very helpful tips on your, on your platform and on your website. It was, I was poking around and checking them out. So, um, oh, I for sure love to, to share that with the group. And, um, the other part of that that question uh, that you answered of like what is the deeper meaning here and I know there's another question later on that I think talks about going deeper and hopes and dreams, but um you know in the work that I do as a coach as well and, and through the work I've done myself personally and with therapy, it's never about what you think it's about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the argument is never about what is on the surface level. That's how I would always explain it to my husband too and and there was actually a really there was a really pivotal time for us where, you know, I think, I don't remember how old my daughter was, but we just were not able to communicate over and over and over again. And we were even in therapy and still just feeling like we weren't making headway. And something happened in one of our conversations one time, and at least on my perspective, and I was all of a sudden aware that we weren't going deep enough. Like we were just Mm. stuck in this like surface level stuff. And and the second that we like dropped into the place where there was uh, vulnerability, all of a sudden there was like deeper compassion in that space too. Like I could feel it at least as like the receiver, the receiver of it. You know, when we, when we got to this place, I can sense it with my husband where he's opening up and I can sense him being vulnerable. And, and when I see that there's like this love and compassion that comes out of me. It's like, I see him as a human, (laughs)
1: you Mm. know, I don't
0: see him as this like adversary or this like Mm -hmm. opponent in this, in this battle, all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I love this person and they're expressing something that feels really important. And how do I want to show up in this moment and, and hold that space for him and it, it's totally changed the dynamic. It's like, you can, it, we don't always get there fast, like, but at least I'm aware of it now that there is, I know we're not in the place where we're having, we're, the conversation hasn't even started yet until we get into that place. Mm-hmm. And that's where re- resolution can happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's totally normal to not get there fast because we need vulnerability for connection, but vulnerability is terrifying because we risk rejection. So we all build up walls and we do it to protect ourselves. You know, it wouldn't be healthy or safe for you to open up your vulnerable parts to somebody who hadn't earned your trust. Mm -hmm. So it's a natural self-protective mechanism. The trouble is when it happens in our most intimate relationships. So the person that we need most to actually be able to see us, to accept us, to make us feel seen and loved starts to feel like you say like an adversary and then the, the walls get built up it can be really hard and sometimes we do have to break them down brick by brick and it can take a long time and it can take a lot of reassuring each other you know responding to each other in a different way that does make the other feel reassured that they're safe and that you're you're going to take care of them.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm curious your thoughts on this because as you were sharing that too I was thinking there is work to Um, you know, as you work with couples, there's also an individual component to it. You know, where I think about the work that I've done or my husband and I have done, like we've done couples therapy together. We both have done individual therapy. I do a lot of personal development work just in my profession. And as before, as a yoga instructor, there's a lot of like introspective work that, that happens. And do you find that that's, like, is that an important piece of, um, like growing connection with your partner or or I guess like relationships in general, but especially in that dynamic, like to always look at your, I mean, to look at your side of the street, but that there's like some component there that you maybe like in the work that you do as a couple, it uncovers things for yourself individually that are helpful to work through so that there can be more connection in the relationship.
1: Yeah, definitely. That that happens all the time in my work with couples that will get to a point where one of them will decide to go off and do a little bit of individual work or a big bit of individual work sometimes. Because we do have to sort of be able to, we, we need some kind of level of insight about ourselves. We need to get to know ourselves and understand ourselves in order to show up in that vulnerable way. You know, you can't really open up to your partner if you don't know what it is there that you need to open up to them so yeah definitely that that is the the kind of the best path to be doing the work on your own and doing the work with your partner as well and and to to be looking inwards like you say thinking about your own side of things is really important because the couples who really struggle with couple therapy and don't end up really getting anywhere with it and tend to leave quite quickly tend to be the ones who come into it thinking that it's going to be all about fixing their partner and they think they're doing something wrong they need sorting out it's never like that we all relationships are co-created we all need to take responsibility for our part in things we make patterns with each other so it needs to be a really good balance of looking at your own stuff and what's happening in the pattern between you
0: yeah absolutely Now I can definitely attest to that you know <laughs> Experience, <laughs> any experience i've had in therapy uh, whether i knew i was going into it thinking my husband was the problem <laughs> you always leave i would leave almost every session with at least a moment of like hardcore smack in the face like oh that's what i brought to the situation crap
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can, crap. <laughs> it can feel like a smack in the face can't it but then yeah. ultimately it's so helpful oh my god yeah
0: Yeah. You Mm -hmm. can't have, you can't move forward without a breakthrough like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that actually, some of the things you just said is a, is a good segue into the next question, which is just, um, couples who have, uh, trouble navigating like big questions or big topics that they might have differences on. They're not fully aligned on whether that's politics or, um, Making big decisions, uh, like I think about right now in the pandemic, people who have decided like where they want to move or different changes in their lifestyles, and even how to like raise kids that maybe you thought you were aligned on, and then now they're here, and you're like, no, we're totally not aligned on this. Um, yeah, how how can couples navigate those? Because it can feel like I know my husband and I have some topics that we just it feels like we're polar opposites on, and we've been able to find more common ground on, but um, this this question really hit home for me of like, how do you, how, yeah, especially some of those like raising your kids, how do you navigate that conversation um, and move forward in those decisions where it doesn't feel like one person is giving up what they want and what's important to them? Mm-hmm. How would, yeah, how would you... <laughs>
1: yeah this one feels really loaded (laughs) yeah well these are the really tough ones aren't they and you know again it's helpful to know how normal it is so the Gottmans have been doing research into couple relationships for 40 years and this research they've done has just taught us all so much and one of the things they found is that as many as 70 percent of problems in relationships are actually unsolvable Mm. so this is completely normal it's completely normal that a lot of the stuff that you disagree with your partner about doesn't actually have a resolution so when you realize that and accept that that can help you to kind of drop your shoulders a bit you know and realize like okay this is just this this is normal this doesn't mean that we're not compatible this is what every couple has to go through so yeah there's loads of these things aren't there things about disagreements about bringing up the kids Um, You know, different ideas about what tidy looks like is like a classic one that we fall out over. It's not necessarily something that's ever going to change, you know, (laughs) how we want to keep our homes. Um, Yeah, different parenting approaches and and, uh, other things to do with in-laws often fall into this capacity, into this category as well. Um, You know, kind of one of you being an introvert and the other one being an extra extrovert, or you having disagreements about how much time it's reasonable to spend with each other's families. So there's ones where it's kind of about how you're going to get along and live together. And so with those ones, what they found is just that the happiest couples really just work on their own side of it. So rather than constantly nagging your partner about how messy they are, just working on kind of being a bit more chilled about it. And rather than getting really annoyed with your partner about how difficult they find it, just working on actually putting your stuff away. You know, thinking on focusing on your own side of it. Um, But obviously some of them, they're they're not such kind of practical things. They're not not things where there's lots of little bits that everyone can compromise on. They're kind of big decision ones. Um, And with those ones, one of the most important things to do is to really be working to understand and accept your partner and to make them feel understood and accepted. Because what so often happens is that we start to take it personally and actually you know, your partner is just a different person and the way that they feel about politics or where the kids should go to school or whatever it is, it's not actually about you. It's it's really not personal at all. So the more you can try and get your head around why they see it the way that they do and try to show them that you understand that and that you accept them. So you might find their position really, really difficult. But when it kind of tips over into you finding each other really difficult that's when it becomes a problem so you know telling them that you accept them even though you find these differences um between you difficult can be really helpful and you know you mentioned um right at the beginning Taylor about kind of that sort of thing of realizing that you actually had more similarities or more kind of goals in common than you thought you did that th- remembering that you have the same ultimate goals can be really really helpful so for example When it comes to raising kids, everybody just wants to have happy, thriving children. You might have different ideas about how to get there, but you are ultimately on the same page, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of reminding yourself of that can be really helpful. That is super helpful. And um, it makes me think about
0: two things. (laughs) One, uh, I was actually just, I'm so glad that you you mentioned, um, I guess I'm not surprised that your uh response included just almost in a way just like being a, a more compassionate listener mm-hmm. um, is the words that like came out of my mouth recently about this subject and i was actually talking with my husband about politics and in some ways we were similar and in some ways we're not and um but we were talking about it in terms of like even just how kind of the world or especially in the united states people don't seem to really have capacity for people who have other viewpoints, um, mm-hmm. or at least that's that's what it seems like when you're seeing it on social media. But if you zoom in, if you're talking face to face with somebody, it changes the dynamic of the conversation. And um, especially if you're able to really listen to the other person, rather than like you know forming your argument as they're talking, really just holding the space for what it is that they're sharing and what's important to them. And then knowing you'll have the opportunity to do that after. And that's something that I was relating it to even conversations and how we handle things that are difficult. Um, Same thing where we might feel like we have very different viewpoints on something, but if we're actually able to sit down and listen um, to each other's sides, uh, it actually sometimes what what seemed to have been a problem is no longer a problem. It was more just like some, like it, it's not even about the decision that we need to make or that we want to make. It's just about wanting to feel heard. And then mm-hmm. suddenly, like maybe both people don't even care what the outcome is. It's like, yeah, we, we could do that. Sure, or we could do that. It's just the goal or what you really wanted <laughs> was just to feel heard and understood and to rec- be recognized for this thing that is important to you.
1: Yeah, you describe that process so well that you go from that place of just being like so fixed on the outcome. And then you get to the point where you feel understood and you're kind of like, yeah, we, we could do it your way, actually. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and You really realise, wow, it really was about feeling heard, understood, accepted. And when you've listened to each other with curiosity and compassion, then it's it comes back to what you were saying earlier about recognizing that it's a human being that you're talking to.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I think the way that you just frame that too reminds me of it's like you get to that place of vulnerability, and when you drop down to what the conversation is really about, you know, it, it's not about should this the kid go to this school or this school. It's about the things that are really important to you that that you want for your children. And and yeah, at when you get to that place. Um, those those decisions sometimes there's like no decision to even be made (laughs) it's Mm. just it's just you're just there loving on each other and that was the point (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I think there was something else that had come to my mind as you were sharing that but I think it it might have disappeared maybe it'll come back later on um but yeah I love I love that I love that topic I was excited to hear your your viewpoints on that and had a couple people reach out about that so I'm ho- hopefully that's helpful. Oh, I, I this thing that came to my mind have um, are you familiar? I'm not sure if it's called something different, but are you familiar with nonviolent communication?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that's what I was thinking about as we were talking about this, of like, yeah, anyways, that's that's a tip, just putting that out there for the for listeners of something that kind of what yeah, I'm talking about <laughs> is definitely. how I,
1: how we found it. Mm-hmm. I mean, nonviolent communication is so, so helpful for so many things for getting our, our needs met and for talking on that level where we're being open with each other. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So let's
0: see, I had a, a more specific question here um, around tips for navigating conversations around getting more support from their partner. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, yeah, nonviolent communication is absolutely perfect for this one. Mm -hmm. So the the model of nonviolent communication is that, first of all, you state the situation in a kind of very dispassionate, very factual way. So rather than saying something like, I can't believe you haven't put your plates in the dishwasher again, you just start with something like, oh, when I came in the room and saw the plates on top of the dishwasher. So there's nothing blaming in it. It's just like a fact, you know, nobody could argue that the plates are definitely there sitting on top of the tissue, right? (laughs) You say then how you feel about it. So actually sharing an emotion word. So not, I feel like you don't respect me because that's not actually a feeling. That's a thought, but like, I feel disappointed. I feel stressed. I feel hurt. I feel let down. You know, something like that. Um, And then the next bit, is to talk about what you need so why does this thing bother you so much so you might say you know i really need to feel like we're a team like we work together or i need to feel respected and valued and then and this is the bit that is so often missing from so many of our conversations is to actually make a request so we'll quite often have a big blow up about something have a chat about it and talk it through And then we won't kind of come out with any outcomes for how things are going to be different. So actually making a specific request of your partner. So saying, you know, could you do this for me? Could you do this differently? And then that needs to actually be the beginning of something. So, you know, you need to, they're not always going to say yes, are they? Sometimes they're going to say, yeah, the thing is after dinner, I'm just so shattered. Like, can we sort it out in the morning? And so you you need to kind of be open to having a bit bit of um, negotiation there. Um, And when it comes to, you know, these kind of conversations that we need to have around what, what we're both doing just to remember as well, that everything is up for grabs. Like we quite often will just slip into roles that we didn't really plan for, but to be having those kind of open communication, like have you noticed how we just slipped into this thing where I do the washing and you empty the bins, like we're our parents, this, this is weird, <laughs> isn't it? Like why have we never had a conversation about who does the washing and who empties the bins? Like let's make a list and share out the jobs. Rather than just living out those assumptions.
0: Yeah, what you just said at the end actually, I think, is really helpful because it it is it's almost like a there's a consciousness to bring to these conversations and to Mm. I think sometimes um, I mean I'll put myself in there where I think I I think it's supposed to be easier like naturally it's just supposed to we're just supposed to like fall into these um, situations where we're able to just like everything's working out great and he can read my mind and I can read his mind. And I've been finding like in marriage and especially in parenthood now that you just can't leave things unsaid. You know, if, if, if it's important to you, there's a consciousness that you have to bring to it, which first starts of you being aware of what's not working. What do you want changed? And I'm so happy that you, that, um, you talked through that process of, of, um, the last piece being a request because I had totally forgotten about that piece. And it that's mm. like, that is the most important part. And it's this most scary part because <laughs> mm-hmm. it requires the vulnerability on your side to ask for something that you want. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which
1: is really hard, especially for women, I think, because we haven't been socialized to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it, it feels like kind of very assertive, very sort of leaning in to say, I actually want this from you if you I, think of it as a negotiation that can be really helpful yeah
0: I I tend I, I joke about this um, my husband and I joke about this a lot but in a lot of ways we actually have very flipped mm-hmm. um, just like what you just said like it tends to be more difficult with women it tends to be more difficult with my husband actually mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he's kind of he he tends to want to keep the peace, whereas I'm like really direct. And so Mm. I'll say, this is what I need. And I have a tendency to like, you know, I, I got to like, hold, pull it back a little bit, <laughs> or at least be aware of my approach of, of how like, you know, it can come across sometimes. But um,
1: Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. not unusual as well, because you quite often, <laughs> one thing that you quite often get with men is that they, they can tend to be quite assertive, sort of out there in the world. But then when it comes to their relationships, they just kind of try and keep their partners happy mm-hmm. by not actually saying too much and not asking for too much, which it doesn't really work well as a long term strategy.
0: No, it leads to like buildups and, and conversations of not feeling heard. And, and um, yeah, that request piece is really important. So I'm really glad that you called that out. Um, All right. So this, so this one's specific to couples therapy. So when and why should couples come to therapy and tips for how to bring it up? uh, You know, if their partner's really resisting wanting that kind of support and help for them
1: um I mean do therapy anytime you want anytime you think it might even be a tiny bit helpful don't wait you know researchers found that couples on average go six years after they would first have benefited I wow. mean that is a long time of putting <laughs> things off and suffering you No, know? um there are some kind of real specific things that you should look out for as real signs that it would you'd really really benefit so you know if you find that when you talk between yourselves you don't really feel like you make any progress between or on the differences between you and you just end up feeling more frustrated and hurt or rejected you know if if you're kind of getting in that place where you both feel like you're just digging your heels in and not not feel, not willing to budge um if you're starting to Kind of disengage emotionally from each other and there isn't really any much laughter or affection between you that can be a really big sign um and a helpful thing to think about can be like what is your objective for going especially when it comes to talking to your partner about it you know try and be as honest as you can with them about how you're feeling take because because sometimes they don't know you know we we tend to think that people know much more about how we're feeling and what we're thinking than they actually do. And if you can talk to them in a way where you're kind of taking responsibility, you know, saying, you know, I'm I'm not, I don't think I I don't think that everything is your fault. I know that I've got a part to play in this. I want us to learn and grow together. Um and you know really kind of positioning it as a positive thing. Like this is where I would like us to be. And I think that this is something that could help us to get there. You know, that tends to be responded to much better than like oh we need to sort this out this is terrible you know just focusing on the negative hmm. I am a
0: huge proponent of couples therapy I love it <laughs> I, would joke with my, I would joke with my husband there was uh, we've been we've gone a few times of we've been together oh man we've been I he's going to kill me because I always forget the first I always forget how long we've been together I, <laughs> um <laughs> Close to 10 years, I want to say, rounded up a few. Um, yeah, we've been together for a long time, we, you know, and we've both changed so many, so many different ways. And um, life has been really busy at times. And the very first time that we ever went, we had that feeling of like, I wish we would have gone earlier. Like, what were we so afraid of? Um, like the stigma that it meant that like we were doomed if we went to couples therapy. I don't know. But we've we've gone a few times since then, off and on a little bit. And um, for us, the trick was really finding somebody that we connected with, yeah. that we felt like we both felt comfortable with. I tend to really love somatic types of therapy. And I mm-hmm. think it does really well with my husband and I, with, like both getting into our bodies and out of our heads a little bit more. Um, being like the yogi in me, I think I just really love anything that puts me back in my body. Um, so we've really, we, that's, that's the kind, and that's the kind that we tend to um, generally like seek out if, if we do. Um, but also it used to be my favorite. I would always joke that it was like our date night activity <laughs> and we would, you know, sometimes it would be hard to go to dinner after, but we try to like go to dinner after and not talk about any of the things that ta- we talked about in the session, just enjoying each other's company with the food and everything. And, and really just turning it into an event because I found that in those sessions, sometimes, especially during really crazy weeks and, and months of our lives, it was like sometimes the only time where we both, really like connected on that, that deeper level that you talk Mm. about. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way about that. And I didn't even know I felt that way about this. And um, I just, I'm a huge proponent for it. So yeah, (laughs) I, anytime, and I, and I try to share it, you know, I try to share my experience to help normalize it too. Like, especially during this last year, you know, if you need help, go get it, you know, it's there and it's, it's so helpful to to normalize your experience as like even just like the first step. Um, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. It's so true what you say about finding someone that you both connect with. I think a lot of the time people will try it once and they won't have a good experience, maybe because the person isn't great, but more likely just because they just weren't the right person for them. And I, you know, one or other partner doesn't get on with them and then they'll stop. And there's, you know, there are as many different therapists out there, you know, they're just people, they vary so much and finding somebody that you really feel like you can talk to and is going to both support and challenge you. It really can be properly life-changing. Yeah. What advice would
0: you have for somebody if they're wanting to get their, if they're wanting to go to couples therapy, but their partner's
1: kind of resistant to it? Mm. I think one of the most important things to do here is to to really be curious about their reluctance to try because often what we can do is get into the space of just trying to convince them but you know what it's like if you don't want to do something and someone starts trying to convince you to do it that just makes you put your barrier up even more doesn't it like stop trying to tell me what to do I don't want to do it whereas if they're interested and they're trying to understand and they're respectful of the fact that of course you're going to have reservations you know it takes up time and money we all like to have a certain level of privacy it's quite scary to open up about something you don't know what it's going to be like you know if if you've ever seen any tv shows with people in therapy you'd like run a mile from anyone who does it (laughs) because most of them are absolutely terrible representations of what it's like so it's completely understandable to have those reservations so to really try and understand what it is that they're worried about and to talk to them about it and, and actually Put aside trying to convince them, and have a conversation, or more than one conversations, where you're just asking them about it, and you're just showing them that you get it, and that it makes sense to feel that way. Then sometimes you find, like we were talking about before, that the shift happens. You kind of don't have such a strong feeling anymore of, oh, I need to push back against this.
0: You, mm-hmm.
1: and you start to see a bit of like, okay, maybe we could try it.
0: Yeah. I think about the conversations I've had with with my husband over the years with this. And um, I think as we've had better experiences, like as we've gained more tools and we've grown and we've found that it is really helpful, there's less and less resistance, but there tends to be some resistance every time we think about it, you know, whether it's like the money that you invest and we just kind of remind ourselves, we have a deeper conversation around our values and the things that are important to us. And it always comes back to the topic of there's nothing more important to us than our relationship. And, um, you know, even more so than our daughter, (laughs) because we know Mm -hmm. that without that relationship, you know, her life, you know, is different and affected by it. And so I think that that conversation of like, this is this is what's important to us. Just like if anything else is important to us, exercise is important to you. You invest in that. You buy a gym membership. You buy a Peloton. You get running shoes. You know, you you put the time in, the time and resources in for that thing. And so, reminding yourself that it's it's like anything like that. You know, that it's where you put your money is is kind of a way of what shows you that's important to you, and um, in your values. And um, just a question that you had. Uh, posed earlier on that it, that popped into my head was also something I, I had said to my husband and we've said to each other when it's me resisting it or something uh, like what are you afraid of you mm-hmm. know what are you afraid of about going to therapy um, that has been a really helpful conversation because it also kind of helps it helps me see when it's asked at me like, am I afraid of this? Why am I? Yeah. Why am I afraid of this? Why can't I just give it a try? Um, or also saying like, let's give it a try for X amount of sessions and see how we feel after that. And if we find it's helpful, great. If we don't, we can find somebody else. Um, I And then the last thing that I was thinking about was the very first time I tried to get my husband to come to therapy with me. Um, it was super pushy. I picked the person and you could just tell like he wasn't comfortable there and he was doing it for me. And that's not what you want. (laughs) You don't Mm. want somebody coming to therapy for you. It just doesn't work out as well. Um, And so the next time we went and saw somebody, I put it in his hands of like, you can find the person this time and, and then we can both see how we feel about it. So those are helpful for me too.
1: Yeah, that's a really great idea. I mean, involving them in the process as much as possible, you know, whether it's suggesting that they have a look or you just choose a few people and you show them to him and you say, you know, which one do you think we should call first? Those little things can make such a big difference in not feeling like you're kind of being dragged there, which is the last thing that you want.
0: Yeah. And it can also give the other person the feeling of like, you want me to go to fix me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, which... Hopefully you both have experiences in, in the process of like, it's not the other person. This is totally my my stuff right here that I got to work through because it's always both. Well, we kind of talked about this and I guess I just want to ask it again if there's anything new that comes up for you. Um, as I say this, I, I was poking around on your social media a couple of days ago and I saw this quote that really stuck with me. Uh, I really like it and it said, to get unstuck, go deeper. To go deeper, think hopes, dreams, values, and ideals. Um, And it it reminded me of that conversation I had told you earlier about when I, I can like vividly take myself back, you know, we're sitting on our couch and we're having like the same conversation about the same topic that we were just not able to like find any resolution around. And by the end of the conversation, we still didn't really make a decision about the tough thing, but we went deeper and we were able to have like that heart to heart connection, which is really what we were both just seeking just connection with each other and being heard. Um, so we talked a little bit about that, but I was curious more specifically around tips you have for get uh, going to that place, um, to, Mm. to, to, go deeper with somebody. If you're feeling like, um, if anyone listening is feeling like we're still stuck in that surface level place, how do we drop down? How do we create a safe space where we both feel comfortable to be vulnerable? Any tips for like questions or things, um, Mm
1: -hmm. How to do that. Yeah, I mean, it is all about leaning into that vulnerability, isn't it? And if you're struggling to go there, then one thing it can be helpful to do is to think about what you need in order to be able to go there. So sometimes we need to start a conversation by saying something to our partners, like, you know, I want to tell you about something, but I'm a little bit worried about what it's going to be like. So do you think that you could try just listening to me without responding until I say that I'm finished? Or could you try and just listen to me and and then tell me what you heard so that I can check that I express myself clearly? You know, I'm, I'm worried that you're gonna try and give me a solution when that's not what I'm looking for. So do you think you could just listen and not offer me any solutions, right? All the things that frustrate us about the ways that our partners communicate or listen or don't listen, those can be talked about themselves. Um, And then really just thinking about it in terms of sort of sharing more of your inner world, like recognizing that you're not actually as see-through as you think you are and telling your partner about the things that you imagine, the things that you're worried about. I mean, so much of it does come back to our fears. You know, when we think I want this and my partner wants this, if you flip it to what am I afraid of if I don't get what I think is best? What are you afraid of if you don't get what you think is best? And then talking on that level can really help and actually that is the antidote to criticism and attack and accusation as well to talk from that place of what we're worried about um and then yeah like you mentioned in that in that post thinking about things in terms of our hopes and dreams our our values and our ideals it's it's about what we want for our lives together once we have kids it's about the the image that we have of what family life is going to be and how we can create that so just taking a bit of time to reflect on that stuff on your own and then talking to your partner about it and trying to come at it from that place of like what image do I have in my mind of how things would be if they were wonderful and what's my image of how things would be if they were terrible and that sometimes when we have when we conjure up that image it sometimes will take us back to some of the parts of our own childhoods that weren't ideal. You know, I often find when I'm working with couples that when we get to that place, it comes back to, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to be like some person or you're going to be like some person in some key way, someone from the past, you know. So thinking about it on that level can be helpful as well. Hmm. Yeah, what you had shared about um,
0: uh, specifically the piece around really listening and reflecting back what you heard I think that was one piece of NVC that we we I don't I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to like rehighlight that because that has for sure been the number one thing that has been helpful for my husband and I. And that's actually, now that I think about it, what happened that night in that example that I gave you of like all of a sudden we drop down to this vulnerable space. And sometimes for us it takes a really long time. Like sometimes I'm talking for 20 minutes. That might even be too long. <laughs> I have a hard time like reeling it in. But even if I, I say like, okay, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes or even five minutes to just talk. Um, and, and then can you reflect back some of the things that we, that I say? Um, and sometimes, you know, he'll reflect it back in a way that I'm like, I did not say that those are not my words. Can we say this again? And can you say my exact words for me? It just makes me feel like you really heard. And then after that, then it's like, do you, can you reflect back that you understand what I feel when I'm saying that too? And it's, I think something, um, that you were talking about that, I guess I just want to, sh- I, I want to like, um, share for the listeners too, who might be feeling that they're the only like, they're alone in this and that like, I think that there is somehow this, um, this illusion uh, or yeah, disillusion, I guess that, that I have sometimes when I'm in a conversation with my husband and we're trying to, it's like, I can be focused on the outcome of the goal that I, that we're wanting to achieve the decision we need to make. And really what I find in those conversations is the conversation that we actually needed to have wasn't about whether we do this thing this weekend or we do this thing this weekend. It was everything else in the conversation <laughs> like mm-hmm. this like the middle part that is what that is what we needed to talk about actually not about the thing that we wanted to do with the you know the weekend or a big topic for us is like where we want to if we want to move somewhere else um that's a big topic that comes up for us often and we have very different opinions on it and so um, the more that we dive into that, uh, we've actually taken a different approach of kind of what you said of going deeper with dreams, hopes, and values, um, and we're making a vision board together. <laughs> where we're like, let's let's start at the source. What what do we want from our family and our life? Let's let's create this vision board together, and then we can talk about how how we get there. Because there's a bunch of different ways we can do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it's reassuring for me to hear you say that (laughs) I was like (laughs) take it that way first um makes me feel like we're on the right path with some of these difficult conversations
1: I mean it really sounds like you are there's so much that you've that you've said today that it sounds like you're you're both doing that work that you're leaning into that vulnerability you're you're thinking about your own part in things you're coming back to it even when things get tough it's it's not easy but it sounds to me like you're doing a great job
0: <laughs> thanks, this is like my own my own my own session here, <laughs> but truly, these questions that the community came with, I was like, "Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I'm struggling with the same thing, and I think sometimes, um you know, when people have like i'm you know I have my my podcast and I have guests on, and but I'm not the expert, you're the expert and and you bring out these these pieces and these questions that are just so helpful so.
1: Well, I mean it's just so great that you're creating this this space and you know that openness to hearing those questions because there's something just in that isn't there that comfort in knowing that we all go through the same stuff in our relationships you know we so often feel like we're alone in it but there's there's always themes to the questions that everyone asks me because we do all go through the same stuff yeah for
0: sure well, Catherine, I think those, that was the end of my, my questions that I had for my community. So I just wanted to ask, do you have any um, anything upcoming that you'd like to share with the group workshops? Or I think you saw that you're going to have some like group stuff
1: happening soon. I am, yeah, I am um, working towards doing a a group coaching programme. So I have got a free download on on my website at the moment for um, a a guide to resolving resentment. And then I'm going to do a five-day challenge uh, at the beginning of June um, on moving from resentment to contentment. Mm. Um, And so that will be a free offer. So, yeah, anybody who wants to download the guide, then um, I'll send you some more information about that because that's such a big thing that causes so much trouble in relationships is those kind of resentments that are just bubbling under Um, and I really want to help people to to face that stuff and and work through it awesome and where can people find you so I'm on Instagram and Facebook I am insight and connection awesome and what's your website it's insightconnection.uk awesome Cool. Thank you, Catherine.
0: (laughs) I know it's been crazy connecting, but I am so, so grateful for this time together and all the helpful tips that you've, you've shared. And I I guess I want to put another plug in like for anyone that's, you know, just meeting you through this, this episode, like go check out your Instagram page because I have learned so much. I think I've saved so many of your posts to revisit of just tips and things to implement in my life. And They've been really helpful. So thank thank you you, for the work that you do. It's super helpful. (laughs) It's my pleasure. And it's been lovely chatting with you. Lovely chatting with you too. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this month's episode. And thank you to my amazing guest, Catherine. As Catherine mentioned, you can connect with her on Instagram at insight and connection. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Motherhood Project podcast. You can find all these episodes wherever you normally listen to your podcast and don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Have a great day and I'll see you next month.